All right, beloved, we are in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, and if you, uh, if you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to grab one of those blue Bibles located underneath the seat around you, turn in that Bible to page 1015, that will bring you uh, to our text this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. By the way, in case you're curious, uh, you know, we are back from vacation, and it was great, and we are well rested, and I have uh, you know, two, now three weeks of not being able to preach all uh, inside of me, so that is a warning to you, just letting you know that right now. So, if you're new with us, you have no idea what I'm talking about, that's okay, we welcome you, we're glad you're here, and uh, glad you can... Uh, be with us this morning to hear from the Word of God. So, yes, the message is titled, A Brief Word to Christian Husbands. And as I said, uh, it's brief because it's brief from Peter. Uh, it's one sentence, basically. Uh, but obviously, we're going to look at it closely, and, and it will require many more words <laughs> from me in, uh, in explaining it. But today in our text, uh, we're going to look at this brief word. It's directed specifically at husbands, and it's concerning their relationship with their wives. And let me just say this. So if you're not a husband, uh, you may want to be someday, and so certainly this would be a good message for you to listen to, but if you're not a husband and you're not going to be or, you know, whatever, either way, you can hear from this about your God. Okay? You can hear what he's concerned about, and you'll get to know your God better based on the instructions that he's giving through Peter to husbands. And that would go for any text, beloved. So anytime we have one of these specific, topical, in a sense, texts that's directed specifically at a person, and you're not that person, maybe, or that kind of person, husband or a wife, don't check out. Listen to what God has to say to them, and you'll learn about your God and benefit from that. Okay? With me? All right. So wives, all of you wives, don't check out. And don't nub your husbands. Don't nub your husbands as... Because I've, two Sundays, given it to the wives, you know, about submission and such, based on the text. And, and I know you've been waiting, because I told you, you've been waiting patiently, wives, for me to get to this text here that directs, directly speaks to the husband. So, but be kind to your men. Be kind to your men as we work through this. So... We're going to take a, a brief look here at this, uh, again, this text that speaks to husbands concerning their relationship with their wives. And the context, as always, is important to consider, okay? Uh, these brief instructions, as I said, it's just one long sentence, verse 7, are given uh, to husbands not by themselves. It's not like just verse 7 all by itself somewhere, just this one little passage, but rather context, it's given following what Peter says in verses, immediately following what Peter says in verses 1 through 6 in chapter 3 to Christian wives about submission to their husbands. You've got to see the context. It's not isolated. Six verses Peter takes talking about submission and elaborating on submission to Christian wives. And now he has, in light of that, a word for the husbands, okay? And again, submission, submission specifically wives to their husbands. So now he has a word to the husbands. We'll read the text. I'll make a few more comments and then we'll get into it. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. This is what Peter says after he speaks to the, to the wives. He says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, 
showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. All right. So in light of the context, I want to give you this up front so you kind of know where we're going. The way I understand this verse, this section, is like this. While it is clearly God's will for wives to be subject to their husbands, as we've seen in verses 1 through 6, or for them to willfully follow their husband's lead and submit to them as the authority in the marriage relationship, that is clearly God's will. Peter also wants to make sure that husbands understand and embrace how God wants them to relate to their submissive wives as they lead them. As we will examine in a moment, the Christian husband is to live in an understanding and loving way with his wife. He must be careful in his God-given role not to be harsh with his wife. But instead, he must care for and honor the woman God has given him. And this matter appears to be very serious to God. Because Peter gives a rather startling and severe warning to husbands if they fail to do so. Maybe you caught that. We just read it. And we'll look at that a little more closely. So husbands, let me say this. You need to listen. You need to listen. By the way, ladies, if your husband is not here today, or if you're listening to this by way of uh, radio, or not radio, we're not on the radio, but by way of internet or something like that, please let him know that I asked him to listen to this message. Okay? You can, you can do it. That way you can put the heat on me. I asked you to please ask him to please listen to this message. Now, before we look at the details, I want to tell you that there is some difference of opinion among Bible scholars, commentators, about how to understand the specifics of this passage or the various statements that Peter makes in it. And the reason is because the statements that Peter makes are, are not entirely crystal clear. Uh, there is some vagueness. However, I'm not going to share with you all the various positions that have been put forth, but as we move through the text, I will bring some of them up and attempt to quickly explain why I have taken the particular position that I have. And I bring that up also because we uh, generally promote uh, a study Bible here called the John MacArthur Study Bible. It's a great resource, and I would uh, encourage you to get it. But I, I certainly uh, see things differently here in this text than you will find in his study notes in some places, and so just wanted to draw your attention to that. But there is a variety of opinion and understanding of the text, but, um, you know, 20 hours of study, this is where I'm, I've landed, and I'll try to explain why as we move through it. Additionally, if you look at various Bible translations of this passage, you might, you might notice a difference between them, different translations, of where one of the phrases or statements that Peter makes is placed in this sentence. And I'm also going to draw your attention to that as well, because it makes a slight difference to the way you understand the passage. All right, so we'll start with the first word. The first word in your translation, or the ESV translation, is the word what? Likewise. Likewise. What is that referring to? Now, 
We talked about this already. Uh, we talked about it when Peter used the same word in verse 1 of chapter 3, where he addressed Christian wives. There he said, likewise, wives, be subject to your husbands. And although I've talked about it already, I think it is worth just basically repeating what I said before, because I don't want... I want you to make sure you understand how the word is being used because it could be a hang-up in understanding the text. So Peter could be using the word likewise, loosely, to simply introduce a new group into this conversation concerning authority, uh, relationships to authority. So in verse 1, he's introducing a new group because remember where he started, it was about Citizens submitting to the government. Then he talked about servants submitting to masters. Then he gets to wives, he says, likewise. And he could just be introducing a new uh, group, wives. Okay? And then in verse 7, a new group into this discussion as well. Husbands, likewise. So he could be using the word loosely, almost like also. Also, wives, be subject to your husband. Also, husbands, let me talk to you in this general category of relationships to authority. That's possible, and, and good men, scholars, teach that that is the case. Um, however, the word is typically not used that way in the New Testament. It is typically used to mean similarity, or literally, in the same way. In the same way. And, and I've noted this to you before. If you look at other translations, they don't use the word likewise. They actually just say in the same way. In the same way. So, in, in what way? <laughs> And if it's the same way, and what, what's the similarity we're supposed to see here when he's addressing wives and husbands? So some suggest that it's a reference in some way to the other examples of submission in this section. Okay? The other two examples are citizens to governing authorities and uh, servants to masters. So in the same way or similar to the other examples of submission, wives are to submit to their husbands... And then likewise, husbands are to live with their wives in an understanding way. There's a problem there. One, the example given right before the discussion of wives, where Peter says, likewise, wives, be subject to your husbands, the, that example is servants to masters. It's difficult uh, to try to understand how the wife is supposed to similarly be subject to her husband. In other words, and most commentators point this out, you shouldn't draw any similarities between the relationship between a servant and a master and the wife and the husband. So it's hard to see it or understand it that way if it's referring back to that. So some will say it's just referring generally, but I'd rather not go that direction. I don't think it's, it means that. Beyond that, when you get to the husbands, if, if, if similarly or in the same way is referring to the examples of submission, how does that apply to the husband? The husband is not being asked here to submit. There's no example for him to draw on. He's not submitting to his wife. He's, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Not live with your wives in subjection to them. And as I mentioned to you last time, John MacArthur, I respect greatly, and, and, um, and like I said, we use a study Bible, he does kind of take it that way. He actually thinks it's an example of submission, and he, he thinks that Peter is using likewise to tell husbands, yeah, you submit as well. 
the, the believing husband is to, is to submit and serve his wife. But then he adds this note. He's not going to submit to his wife as a leader, but he's to submit to the loving duty of being sensitive to her needs, fears, and feelings of his wife. And as I said to you before, I don't, I don't accept that explanation of likewise, because be subject, which is what's found throughout this whole section, be subject to the governing authorities, be subject to the master, be subject to your husbands. That word, it's used in every example, that word always implies a relationship of submission to an authority, to an authority. It does not have the sense of submission to a loving duty, which is kind of what John MacArthur is trying to suggest. Yeah, likewise, husbands, submit, not to your wives, but submit to the loving duty that Peter is calling you here to. Don't think that's the case at all. So I wouldn't understand likewise that way. I'll either understand it as being used loosely, just to mean also, that's one way to understand it, that fits and doesn't create a lot, all these situations and problems. But another suggestion is to understand Peter's use of the word likewise as, as it's normally used, uh, which is similarity, similar, similarly, or in the same way. And so then you've got to ask, well, in, in what same way or what similarly, similarity? In what similarity? And you look at the context, and instead of looking at just examples of submission, which creates problems for how to understand that, you use a broader frame of reference, and you attach it back to Peter's opening statement concerning relationships to authority, which is found in verse 13. This is all, I, we went through this all before, but I just want to do it one more time. So in 1 Peter 2.13, where this conversation begins, this discussion begins about relationships to authority, Peter says this, be subject for the Lord's sake, 1 Peter 2.13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. I think, I think the likewise to the wives and to the husbands is just Peter calling them back to that statement for the Lord's sake in the same way. So in other words, it would read something like this, for the Lord's sake, and, and for the Lord's sake, let me explain that, for concern for his honor and his cause. Uh, concern not to bring dishonor on his name. Okay? So wives, likewise, for the Lord's sake, to not bring dishonor on his name, for concern for his cause, are to submit to their husbands, and husbands, likewise, for the Lord's sake, in the same way, are to live with their wives in an understanding way, so that they would not dishonor or bring dishonor on the name of Christ. Which then attaches these uh, commands, these moral exhortations, to a concern that we would not bring dishonor on the name of Christ. Meaning that if wives don't live in subjection to their husbands, as God has called them to, and husbands do not live with their wives in an understanding way, they bring dishonor on the name of Christ. Do not do that. Okay? All right, now let's, let's move beyond that and look at the really fun stuff. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. You see that? So the verse literally says, this is a translation, so if you look at the, the original Greek, 
It literally says, live together according to knowledge. That's what it says. Live together according to knowledge. Remember the context? It just spoke to wives. Six verses about being subject to their husbands, even the ones that are not believing husbands. Here now he says to the husbands, live together, live with your wives according to knowledge. So Peter is basically saying that the husband's relationship with his wife is to be governed then by knowledge. (laughs) But knowledge of what? Knowledge of what? Peter doesn't say. Peter doesn't say here specifically which is the reason for some difference of opinion among Bible scholars about exactly what Peter is getting at. But I think it is reasonable to conclude, as others have, that this knowledge need not be limited to any one thing, but rather it would include, as one Bible commentator put it, any knowledge that would be beneficial to the husband-wife relationship. Any knowledge that would be beneficial to the husband-wife relationship. Husbands, live with your wives with knowledge. Any knowledge that would be beneficial to that relationship. So that means that this knowledge could involve not only, and many focus on this, all that God says about marriage. So they would suggest that this is knowledge of the principles that God gives concerning marriage. And so we could look at the various passages that speak to the issue of marriage, and the, and the husband needs to be uh, know that and have that knowledge as he lives with his wife. Certainly it would include that. But it would also include, and I think this may be, in my opinion, this may be what Peter, especially in light of the context, remember, Wives, be submissive to your husbands. I think, I think this is what Peter is primarily thinking of. It is a knowledge or understanding of his wife. It is a knowledge or understanding of his wife. And by that I mean, and I'll quote a Bible commentator, this. The wife's desires, goals, and frustrations. Knowledge of her strengths and weaknesses in the physical, emotional, and spiritual realms. In other words, husbands, as you live with your wives and lead your wives, you need to strive to understand your wife. You need to know that woman that God has given you if you are going to lead her in a way that is going to honor God. That's the way I see it and understand it. Now, some of you are probably, maybe, are thinking, understand my wife? And, uh, you know, if you're a man, then like me, growing up, you've probably heard many jokes concerning just understanding women and our inability to do that. These are jokes. So if you're a woman, maybe you've never heard them, but as men, we probably heard them. For instance, here's a few. Just to, and this is the culture that we, this is the culture that we live in. So I want to point it out because not only has it maybe impacted your thinking, but if not, it may impact your thinking down the road. And 
And I want, to, I want to challenge you there, because I believe this is what Peter's calling you to, which is directly opposite of kind of the general vibe of culture that says, ah, there's no point in trying to understand them. That's not possible. So, uh, for instance, here's a quote. Remember this always, son, parent giving advice to his son. The sooner that you understand that you will never understand women, the easier your life will be. That's a very soft, ah. Uh, here's another one. Here's an Irish saying. I know you women are loving this. Here's an Irish saying. There are only three kinds of men who don't understand women. Young men, old men, and middle-aged men. <laughs> and then, of course, I found this pic uh, amusing. I don't know if you can see all the formulas up on the board. And thus, dear students, we have arrived at the formula for understanding women. That's our culture. Yes or no, men? Is that not the joke? That kind of wrong? I mean, yeah, right, okay? Uh, but listen, beloved, listen. Especially men, I'm speaking to you, one man to another. Husbands will often, men in general, but husbands certainly, will often know a great deal about their work. They'll understand all the intricacies, the details, the ins and outs, their co-workers, so on and so forth. Or they will know so much about their sports teams, I am flabbergasted. The details about each of these people, their life stories, their backgrounds, their, you know, the way their muscles are working that week, all of this stuff, they will know. Okay? But how well do you husband know and understand your wife. How well? Uh, you know, I'm not saying there's anything, I'm not suggesting there's something wrong with knowing a lot about your sports team or knowing a lot about your work, certainly, or even your coworkers or all of those things, but most important relationship that you could have on earth, your spouse, your wife, this gift that God has given you, how much do you know about her? How well do you understand her? Or have you bought into the, the world's joke? Oh, you, you might as well give up on that. You can't understand a woman anyways. Do you make it a practice, husband, to closely study your wife? Do you make it your practice? Do you give yourself to that? One pastor wrote this, Every husband needs to become an avid student of his wife. You need to know her personality, her likes and dislikes, her needs, her strengths, her weaknesses, her fears, her hopes, her joys. Five years into our marriage, we um, started having marriage. Well, no, that's not true. We had five years of marriage problems, okay? And it all came to a head in the fifth year. That would be better said. And so, yeah, I just came to a real disaster. And uh, so I sought help from my pastor at that time. And, I, I, you know, I, I was in his office. I was, uh, much, I was young, very young, and uh, sitting in his office. And I'll never forget the first few things he asked me. And I had no idea. It was like, why are you asking me this? He says, all right, Jeremy, you know, so I'm very sorry to hear this, so on and so forth. And he said, uh, so can I ask you a few questions? Well, certainly, Pastor. Ask me whatever you want. All right, so um, what is your wife's favorite candy bar? What? <laughs> uh, I think 
Lincoln's Butterfinger. I, I actually got that one. Right, five years, I know what her favorite candy bar is, you know? But then he started asking me other questions, like, you know, what's her favorite place to, to go and spend time? Or where does she, what's her favorite type of food? I really, honestly, guys, even after five years, I, I didn't really know. And he was taking me somewhere to kind of point out my self-centeredness, my selfishness, my focus on me. I hadn't given myself to even knowing this woman that God had given me. I, I don't even pay attention to her needs and concerns and cares. That, that's what eventually kind of came out through all, all these questions as he kept revealing that I knew actually very little about my wife. How am I supposed to lead her? How am I supposed to care for her if I barely know her? If I barely understand the woman? Well, I won't. I won't do it well. You know, just even thinking about this, beloved, remember the context. All right, so the husbands are reading this, too, in the church, and they, that's right. Woman, you're called to submit to me. Yeah, that's true. Husband, you better know your woman. You better understand her. I mean, there are times, you know, now after almost 27 years of marriage and Things got a whole lot better after that five-year disaster. Praise glory to God and by his grace. But I, I can say, and I'm, only, I'm still learning, but I, I, know, I know Allie. By the way, you're not called to know women, all right? To know all women. For, that is a task that will just forget that. You're called to know your wife. To understand your wife. That one you live with. Right there, up close and personal. To give yourself to that. I know Allie. So as I lead her, as I even at times command her, tell her to do this or that, again, not with harshness, but with love, or make decisions for us as a couple, as a family, it's really helpful, beloved, if you know, and I do know, your wife's strengths and weaknesses and goals and desires and and her personality and her makeup. There are times where I know that Allie has, uh, I know without even her having to say much that she's not in a good place, you know? It's just she's not in a good place. Bad day, bad week, who knows? So um, it would be wise of me then if I need to talk to her about something seriously to maybe hold back on that, hold back for a second and maybe comfort her and encourage her and, and love on her, yeah? But if I'm, you know, just oblivious because I don't care to know my wife, I mean, you know, she needs to know about me, but me know about her, whatever, right? Then I just go on with my blah, 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 and I give her the instructions for the day, and I tell her what we're going to do, and I'm killing her, crushing her maybe in that moment. Does that honor God? This gift, this good thing that God gave to you? you got to know your woman. you got to know that one that you're called to lead, to guide, to instruct. First Peter 3, 7, look back at the text. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, again, some of this is technical, but i got to go through it with you. I'll try to do it quick. 
Remember that statement I told you about, that phrase that shows up in different places depending on the translation? Okay, so the statement about the woman being the weaker vessel, that's the one. The original, in the ESV, they've moved it, and other translations as well. But in the original text or manuscripts, it actually follows the phrase, live with your wife in an understanding way. It does not follow the phrase, showing honor. So, for instance, uh, several translations retain the original word order. New American Standard Bible, the NET, the Holman, they all reflect the original word order. And as an example, uh, the New American Standard Bible, you'll see, holds to the original order. So it reads like this. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman. It does not put that whole set of comments or phrases after showing honor. Now listen, uh, in, fact, in fact, literally, I'll tell you how it literally reads in the original. It reads like this, dwell with them according to knowledge, as with the weaker vessel, the female, or the feminine one, rendering them honor as also joint heirs of the grace of life. That's how it, that's how it reads in the original. Grammatically, it is possible to understand the phrase concerning the women being the weaker, the woman being the weaker vessel, to be connected to showing honor. It's possible that he's making this statement, but he's connecting it with showing honor. And so it could go with either one. It could go with the fact, understand your wives as she is the weaker vessel, or show her honor as she is the weaker vessel. It's possible. But the original order is what I just showed you. It is, it follows. Live with your wise and understanding way as she is the weaker vessel, the woman. I am inclined to think that it goes with understanding your wife. I think it makes sense, uh, maybe a little more sense with that statement. Okay, so how, how are we to understand the statement, the woman is the weaker vessel? The woman is the weaker vessel. And I'll, I'll put it all together. It goes with understanding your wife, all right? I believe... That's the better way to understand it. Well, let me just point this out. It doesn't say the woman is the weak vessel. I want you to see that. You can look in your own Bibles and see that. Does it? What does it say? Weaker. She is the weaker of the two. I just want to point that out. So it's not like men are strong and women are weak. No, of the two, she is the weaker. Both men and women are weak. They are weak to some degree. But of the two, the woman is the, the weaker. Now, it says she's a weaker vessel. Let me deal with that first. Vessel in the scriptures is generally used to refer to the human body. The human body. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, jars. We have this great treasure in these jars, but jars there is vessel. It's that idea is something delicate, but it's generally used to speak of the body. Uh, for instance, in 1 Thessalonians 4.4, 4, uh, Paul says that each one of you know how to control his own body. Same word, vessel. Same Greek word being used there in holiness and honor. So generally used to, de to describe the body. Uh, but Peter doesn't specifically say what he means by weaker vessel. What does he mean by weaker? Okay, so this, the, the woman is the weaker of the two vessels. What does he mean? 
Well, it has generally, historically been understood uh, at minimum as referring simply to physical strength. As physical strength, okay? So as many commentators point out, by and large, by and large, generally speaking, women are physically weaker than men. Yes or no? Yeah, generally speaking. There could always be some, you know, really strong woman and not so strong man, and she opens the jars and he doesn't. And I get that. I get that. But generally speaking, women are not as physically strong as men. Uh, and so if it could just be that Peter is pointing that out because uh, being the physically weaker vessel, then the husband must take that into account and look out for her and protect her as he leads her. Okay? Could be that. However, other Bible scholars point out that weakness here, that she is the weaker vessel, need not be limited to just physical weakness. It could certainly also refer to emotional weakness or a greater emotional sensitivity. Let me say again. Generally speaking, uh, if I had to compare the two, man, woman, is the woman generally more emotional sensitive, emotionally sensitive? Okay? That, that in one sense, and so this is not a put-down, that in one sense is a strength. But if we're just making comparisons, there's, a, there's something to be paid attention to, something delicate there. Right? So if I was thinking of beautiful flowers that uh, die very easily when exposed to the sun, and I would say they are weaker in that sense, I would not be putting them down. I would just be reflecting on the fact that they are more delicate and subject to potential damage, as opposed to maybe a more hardy flower or bush. <laughs> does, that, does that make sense, though? Tree, whatever, okay? Okay. No idea where I... Okay, so, so with that idea then, and I think that is, I think by him pointing out that, hello, men, this is the... Live with your wives in an understanding way with knowledge as she is the weaker vessel, the feminine one. Remember? The feminine one. And, and I think he would be thinking, yes, she's, she's the one that is more, more delicate, more easily damaged. And I think it would include the emotional aspect, certainly. So... Generally speaking, then it can be uh, she could be more easily hurt or even crushed in her spirit by a harsh or insensitive husband. Yes. yes. So one writer says, "This is he. Listen, husbands, listen. Wives are often more likely to be hurt deeply by conflict within a marriage, or by inconsiderate behavior on the part of the husband. Knowing this." Christian husbands should not be harsh in their authority, in their leadership. And he, he references Colossians 3.19. We'll get to that in a second. Or fill their marriage relationship with criticism and conflict, but should rather be positive and affirming, living together in an understanding way. I mean, that doesn't mean that the husband doesn't speak to the wife and and bring corrective instruction into her life, but he does it in a way that doesn't crush her. Understanding that she is the weaker vessel. I mean, I was telling Thomas about this. this listen, um, 
you know we're not getting out of here on time, right? You know that because that's what we do. And I, you know, this has been three weeks. But listen, I was telling Thomas in the work world, I remember until you know, all the laws came in, especially here in California where you can't even touch your coworker without being sued uh, on the shoulder or something. But back in the day, we would take guys out in the back and give them a tongue lashing if they were not, and sometimes it was even physical. If they were, uh, I'm not suggesting this is right. I'm just telling you this is the history that I saw. That, and I'm not going to tell you if I was on the receiving end or the giving end of that. But uh, I saw it. Let me just say that. But if an employee was out of line, you gave it to him. A man, a male employee. And you know what? The male employee is like, and then they went off to work and he did his thing. And he wasn't like, you know, crawling away on the ground or whatever. Uh, there's something about, I mean, guys can, honestly, is this not true? Get in a fist fight, beat each other to a pulp, and then they get up and hug each other. Man, all right, good fight, man, good fight. And they go on and drink their brewski, and they're done. They're good. They're fine. No hard feelings. You do that to a woman. Again, generally speaking, generally, you do that to a woman. You lay into a woman, or you dare lay your hands on her, you will, you will, you will destroy her. And she doesn't recover from this. She doesn't just walk away. She crawls away. God has made her delicate, and I'm glad he has. Because there's something very beautiful about her. Delightful. Delightful. It's like I always tell guys, you want to be married to a man, go marry one. But you want to be married to one, stop complaining about your woman. Be thankful for your woman. Be grateful that she is that way. It makes her delightful. You want another man? Go marry a man. I don't want to marry a man. Right, exactly. You're married to a woman. She's different on purpose. God made her that way. Delight in it. Enjoy it. Be cautious with it, though. Be careful you don't speak to a woman like you speak to a man. Just basic common sense. Like when you were growing up, your dad taught you maybe. You don't talk to a woman the way you talk. Why? They recognize this common understanding. They're delicate. They're softer. And that's not bad, but it's something you need to recognize. Just like the beautiful flowers in a garden. There's very, you want delicate ones as well. They're beautiful. They're gorgeous. You get what I'm saying? So anyway, he, 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 in this quote, he references Colossians 3.19. Uh, and, and, and I'll take you there in a second. But what I think Peter is doing and why I think it's attached to live with your wise and understanding way is she is the weaker vessel is he is he's just presenting an aspect, as one writer puts it, of the knowledge that husbands need to live considerately with their wives. They need to know this. They need to be aware of this. Just one aspect of what they need to know in understanding their wives. She's the weaker vessel, dude. Don't be harsh with her. Now, isn't that interesting? Because if we go to Colossians 3, just notice what Paul says there too. So in Colossians 3, verse 18, here we go again. Wives, submit to your husbands. There's the command again, as is fitting to the Lord. But what follows that? 19, husbands. Woohoo! yeah, you're the authority, okay? Yeah, she's to submit to you. But husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Why draw attention to that? Because that is the inclination of the man. He's tough. He's strong. Yeah. And I've said this before. So be tough and strong for your wife, not against your wife. Be strong, men, for her. Never against her. 
Don't act like a drill sergeant with her. You'll crush her. One writer commenting on Colossians 3, just the same theme, he says this, wives like tender and sensitive flowers, and then he refers to 1 Peter 3, 7, may wilt under authoritarian dominance. Not may, they do. They'll either wilt or they'll run. That's been my experience. They wilt or they run, they leave, they can't take it. But they blossom. With tender, loving care, they blossom. So in a maturing marriage, the husband exercises compassionate care and his wife responds in willing submission to this loving leadership. All right, back to the text. But I'm going to go ahead and refer, we're almost done. I'm going to refer to the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, because it retains the original word order. I'm going to refer to it for the remainder of this message. So, looking at 1 Peter 3, 7, there it says, you husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman, semicolon, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Show her honor. Literally, assign her honor. Assign it to her. Honor, value, worth, esteem. Why would Peter say that? Well, as one writer points out, the honoring of one's wife was foreign to that culture. It was foreign, he goes on to say, as it is in our day. And the wife was like over there in the culture, almost maybe a little above the children. Seen, not heard kind of thing. Men had the honor. Wives, servants almost, in many cases. And Peter says something very countercultural. Assign her honor. Assign her honor. And then he throws in this phrase, as a fellow heir of the grace of life. So yes, you know, wives, submit to your husbands. And yes, men, you, you have authority in the home. You're leading your wives. But you live with her in an understanding way. And you assign her her honor, and he says, as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Now, I understand the phrase, the grace of life, to most naturally be a reference to the undeserved gift of salvation. That, that's, that is the most natural way to understand it here in the, in the text and in the context. Some suggest it's referring to life on earth. That, that to me, just doesn't work. And my uh, highly respected John MacArthur, here he goes way different and says it's referring to the gift of marriage, the grace of life, marriage. And I'll tell you in part why I think he does that. Because he thinks that this is speaking to an unbelieving wife here. But I don't think it is. I think this is the grace of life. They are heirs together of the grace of life. I think it's the undeserved gift of salvation, which would mean... This woman of yours is, is a co-heir of salvation with you. Okay, And I'll explain to you why he says that in a second when we get to that last phrase about the warning. So, in light of that, understanding that the, the Christian husband and the Christian wife are both heirs of the great and glorious gift of salvation, how would that impact assign her honor? Well, in this way, as one writer says, the man should give honor to the woman, 
his wife because God gives honor to them both as fellow heirs of the riches in Christ. You can't get any higher than that. You can't be elevated any greater than that. Culture may have a a looking down upon the woman, but in the eyes of God and, and when we consider salvation, she is raised to the highest level. Husband, she is co-heirs, joint heirs with you of this eternal and great salvation. Another writer says, since you are joint heirs of the grace of life, reminds husbands that even though they have been given greater authority within marriage, that's true, there are different roles, their wives are still equal to them in spiritual privilege and eternal importance. Don't think for a second, husband, just because I have put you in the place of the authority of the home that that somehow makes you better more honorable, of greater value than your wife. No, not the case at all. I've given you that role, but with that role comes great responsibility. And this woman I have given to you is a joint heir, this Christian woman, a joint heir with you of the great grace of God and salvation. Another writer says this, Christian wives, like Christian husbands, believe in the same Savior, are redeemed by the same ransom, live by the same grace, And look forward to the same eternal destiny. And then he says this. Recognition of that reality will end domestic tyranny. And by that tyranny, cruel or oppressive rule. It should. Who do you think you are? Do you know who that woman is? You better assign her honor. Because God has esteemed her in Christ. So all the jokes, all the, all the misogynist, disgusting stuff concerning women that runs through our culture, and, even, and all the jokes about wives, men, depart from it. Depart from it. Put yourself far from it. A fellow heir of the grace of life is your Christian wife. Finally, 1 Peter 3, 7. Live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life (laughs) so that your prayers will not be hindered. What is that? What is that? Uh, The ESV says so that your prayers may not be hindered, will not be hindered. The NIV gets a little loose and it says so that nothing will hinder your prayers. and, And that's not... The, the exact, that's, that's them trying to interpret it more than translate it. I mean, literally it says, so as not to be cut off your prayers. That's what it says, so as not to be cut off your prayers. And cut off is passive, means it happens, the passive verb means it happens to the person. Somebody does that to you. The way I understand, I've looked at this now, and I've gone back and forth, but the way I understand it is, it's, it's a warning that God will, Husband, cut off your prayers if you mistreat or don't treat your wife in this way or relate to her in a way that God has called you to. So some, some people don't like that and they have a hard time with that. And so, for instance, Max's suggestion is uh, so that your prayers will not be hindered. So then he says, oh, well, this is an unbelieving wife, so you have to live with her in, a, in this good way, in an understanding way, and if you don't, then 
She'll see that in you, and she won't want to respond to the gospel, and your prayers for her salvation will be hindered. The only problem with that is it doesn't say prayers for her salvation. It doesn't say that. You have to impose that on the text. It just says your prayers, and it says they're going to be cut off. And it, it seems to imply that someone's going to cut them off, not circumstances. Other people have looked at it and said, said, well, it's not God cutting off your prayers, but listen, if there's conflict in your home, then your prayer life will be hindered because maybe you won't pray as much. Or maybe as you pray together, uh, you won't be in agreement because you'll be in conflict. Okay, again, it doesn't say anything about praying together. It says your prayers, and it's directed at husbands. This is a warning to husbands. I am inclined to think it's a serious warning. Because God takes this seriously. Who gives you your wife, husband? God does. As a gift, it's a good thing, he says. So it says in the scriptures. Don't take that for granted. Don't mistreat that. So... I think it's God cutting off a man's prayers. I think it's a form of spiritual discipline. I think that's what Peter means. Shocking? You bet. There's lots of shocking things in Scripture. Here's another one. They're meant to, you know, do, oh, I guess I better take this seriously. Yeah. So this is what writers say about it. Husbands who ignore such a command will find that their prayers are hindered, which means that God will refuse to answer their prayers. God does not bless with his favor those who are in positions of authority and abuse those who are under them by mistreating them. I think that's right. Another writer adds this, So concerned is God that Christian husbands live in an understanding and loving way with their wives that he interrupts his relationship with them when they are not doing so. No Christian husband should presume to think that any spiritual good will be accomplished by his life without an effective ministry of prayer. Yes, that's right. And no husband may expect an effective prayer life unless he lives with his wife in an understanding way, bestowing honor on her. To take the time to develop and maintain a good marriage is God's will, men. It is serving God. You're serving God by doing that. It is a spiritual activity pleasing in a sense. Good to be back. <laughs> Husbands, as the head of your homes, you must strive to understand and honor your wives. I pray you will take that to heart and make the necessary changes going forward. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Father, help us to abide by it, to live under it, to not forget it, to not easily forget it, but to continue to recall it. May the spirit of God that dwells inside of us as your people Bring it to remembrance again and again. And Father, we trust it is by the Spirit's power that we are able to live according to your word. We thank you for the Spirit. Father, forgive us as we have certainly failed many times in this area. But Father, we don't want to fail. We want to live for you. We want to bring honor to Christ's name, not dishonor. Thank you for your word that instructs us exactly how to do that. Father, help us to do that now going forward. In Christ's name.